From Given, this is Purposing, the podcast that lifts the lid on how to run a truly purpose-driven business. I'm Becky Willen, and with the help of leaders at some of the world's most recognized brands, I'll be demystifying this often misunderstood topic into clear, actionable advice you can use in your own business. Today, on World Refugee Day, I'm joined by Jesse McNeil-Brown, Head of Social Mission Europe for Ben & Jerry's, a brand famous for its activism. Through this conversation, you'll hear about how to engage in the topics and conversations that most brands avoid, bring other organizations with you on your mission, and build resilience in yourself and your team. Before I speak with Jessie, let's take a look back at her career to find out how she ended up leading Ben & Jerry's fight for the rights of refugees and asylum seekers in Europe. Jessie didn't have to travel far for her first taste of charity work. I think I was probably 11 selling amnesty badges and candles on my little country town high street. Where I grew up, we had a strong emphasis on volunteering and I loved volunteering, getting out into the community, supporting people, doing different things. This planted the seed for a purpose-driven career. After school and university, Jessie didn't know what to do. In fact, it was only after her master's degree that everything started to click. Marketing and communications is just like activism. You're trying to change attitudes and behaviours. And I really focus my dissertation on women's rights, advancing women's rights, and also marketing to women. Now armed with skills and qualifications, she was ready to start making a difference. At The Body Shop, Jessie played a pivotal role in campaigns against animal cruelty and human trafficking. In 2014, things came full circle when she joined Amnesty International as Global Campaigns Manager. Here she witnessed firsthand the direct impact of business as a force for good. And it was when I was in Burkina Faso and we were doing a sexual and reproductive rights campaign. We were in this tiny little village and the women said, we want to show you something. And they took us into a shed and they showed us and they were making shea butter. And that's where it hit me. We can change these laws, but what will really advance women is their economic independence. Advancing social issues, particularly the rights of women, has been at the heart of Jessie's career. She returned to the body shop as head of global activism before joining IKEA, where the focus of her work shifted once again. I absolutely loved the work I was doing at IKEA and I think for the business to take a big stand as it did, made really big commitments about refugees. And when we look at the issues that are impacting refugees and asylum seekers across Europe, they're focused on getting more work for refugees, which is hugely important. It's going to have a huge, huge impact. Protecting the rights of refugees has become the core of her professional mission. And in 2023, the golden ticket to do just that came from the world of ice cream. First of all, it's Ben and Jerry's, right? Always leading the way in these issues, showing everyone how it's done. I think for me, the unmissable thing when I read the job description was, you will be advancing the rights of refugees through activism, through the social mission. Here's all the different programs that we have. And I would be at the heart of that. Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you, Becky. Thanks so much for having me. It's so great to be in touch again as well. So, Jesse, can you set the scene for us by telling us about Ben & Jerry's social mission and where activism fits into that? Ben & Jerry's is not a brand with a sustainable living purpose. Rather, we like to say we're a company with a set of progressive values that guide our social mission. So we strive to be a social justice company 
that makes ice cream. So we're a company that started in an ice cream shop in Vermont by two hippies and they wanted to do business differently and they wanted to have a positive impact on the world. So what does that mean for Ben & Jerry's? We have a three-part mission. The first part of our mission is product. We want to make the best ice cream in the world. Then we've got our social mission, which is by making that ice cream, how can we be focused on advancing social issues, And then the third part of that mission is the economic mission because we need to be profitable if we want to do good and we want to stay a company. So that's kind of how it works. So I'm really keen to get into what that looks like in practice in a moment. But something I just wanted to touch on before we do that was that, you know, I think we're seeing more and more brands and businesses developing advocacy strategies. But I think there are fewer brands that talk about activism. Is there a difference between advocacy and activism? And if there is, where does one end and the other begin? I'm going to use two examples of places that I've worked because there is a difference between advocacy and and activism. I worked at IKEA um, and the work that we did there on societal impact was really advocacy. So we use the power of the business. So how could we as a business have a difference on social issues and climate issues? And it was really kind of leading by doing and also talking about more of the programmatic work or trying to change attitudes and behaviours. It wasn't specifically going for policy change. They want to advocate for people and the planet. Whereas activism, it's a little bit more disruptive and it's really holding governments to account in a public way. And I think that's a difference. So when I was working at IKEA, we would never call out a government and say, oi, this isn't Mm, good enough. mm. Whereas at Ben & Jerry's, we call out Pretty Patel. We call out Suella Braverman. We call out Rishi Sunak when we're not happy with the policies and, and what's going on. So one or the other doesn't work for all brands, but the fact that everyone is trying to make a difference, that's brilliant. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, I love, I love that distinction. And then I guess it, it provides a really helpful context for then talking about the work that Ben & Jerry's is doing in Europe to really advance the rights of refugees and asylum seekers. So can you talk a bit more about what that actually looks like in practice? Well, we have activism managers in our biggest countries, biggest markets around Europe. They build local activism campaigns, so really connecting to the movement. For us, when we take on a topic, it's how do we work with the movement? How do we collaborate with all the actors who are trying to advance the rights or go after the same change that we are and finding the role that we can play at Ben & Jerry's in that. We need more positive narratives with the rise of the far right and the role of the media and how dangerous language has been around these issues. We really need you to to create a positive narrative and to bring hope and positivity. It's all about impact for us. Everything that we do, we are looking at systemic change. So here in the UK, we know that's impossible probably for the next couple of years. And we are looking long term at that. And for us, that's safe routes for refugees. And then it's putting our kind of theories of change together and making sure we can measure. We know what good looks like. And most importantly, that we're adding value to the movement. It feels like the political climate and as you've spoken about, the media are really against you most of the time and it feels like it's only getting worse. Has it been tough to convince your management team to stick with this focus in the face of such a sort of divisive narrative? No, 
It, it hasn't. In fact, I think some of our, our senior managers are as activists as we are. And they're so passionate about this topic. And across the business, everyone is so passionate. Where we do have really great conversations actually is, is this the right message for us to be going out with right now? Do we really want to call out this person right now. So we have more of a really measured, really good debate internally about what we're doing and will that achieve what we're trying to? And also will our fans understand? We call our customers fans at Ben & Jerry's. But we have the full support of our management. And next week, we're all meeting as a European team. And we have a lot on the agenda about the refugee situation in Europe, but also language and trying to help the entire team understand that environment and to be more critical of the language in the media that they're seeing, understanding why we might be getting attacked more on social media for taking a stand and then how we all can play our role together to create a progressive narrative and to to try to create the change that that we're all after. Yeah, and as you've talked about, I mean, there is something of a, a backlash when organisations of any description engage in these topics and you are being criticised on social media. So what are some of those things that you, you think about? How worried are you about it? And, and I guess, how do you prepare for that, knowing that you're going into what must feel like sort of battleground some of the time? This is not about brand building. This should come from your business wanting to have an impact and wanting to make a change, no matter how big or small that is, but never lose sight of the impact and always be super clear whether that's to your team, to your employees or coworkers, to your stakeholders, to your customers, to your clients, why you are taking on that issue and how it relates to the values of your business. People can always say, oh, we understand why you're doing that because you've been super clear as to why that matters for you as a business. If you take a stand, and particularly at the moment, you will get criticised and you do need to be ready for that. And we've been having a lot of discussions recently about that because things that our co-founders do in New York or something will come up in the New York Times and then suddenly we're seeing it being clickbaited in France, for example, by the far right. So we have been having internal discussions around making sure that all our systems and processes are super clear to everyone. They understand what the process is, and particularly on social media, when do you engage, when do you not engage, and helping everyone understand that when you stand for something, you will get targeted. And it's hard right now. Business, the economy, it's tough. So when you're talking to very stressed out commercial managers who may be seeing the sales ebb and flow, or they're trying to get a deal with a major supermarket across the line, and you're coming out to say, right, we're going to take on the government next week because we don't agree with their refugee policy. That's a discussion that everyone needs to come to the table with. And you do need to be prepared and you need to help everyone in your business. You have to know that not everyone is going to agree with you all the time. Expect the criticism and your messaging will always come back to, as a business, we believe in this because, and that is why we are taking this position. I think one of the most interesting things about what you've said is that activism is a whole company effort. But I think if you're going to get into conversations that many brands won't get into, it is about lining up the entire organization behind it rather than just leaving that to a kind of small group of specialists, people who have those sort of relationships in the first place. I couldn't agree more. And that's something we really tried to do at IKEA. And that was the role of my team, actually, was to make sure that as much as we were telling our customers about it, we were telling our co-workers. 
but also because you can have a huge impact on some of these issues. If you're changing attitudes and behaviours, if you're trying to get people to be more critical about what's going on around them, then start with your own teams because they will then take that home. They will take that to their friends. You can have a, a big impact there. And I saw that um, so clearly on LGBTQI issues in Eastern Europe and our team there, they were super brave. They were very courageous. They had to do a risk assessment on flying a rainbow flag in their store. But they did that because they believed in it and that was the right thing for them to do. And internally, they were very honest with me and said, yeah, there were some people here in the store who didn't understand why we're doing that. But two years later, they're now expecting it and telling us this is what we have to do and they're, they're building on these ideas. And they're, they're coming with us to this Pride March that is really sensitive and controversial right now. So you can you can have a big impact, but it's so important that your coworkers, your team understand as well. And just thinking about that backlash that I guess you've experienced across the different roles that you've been involved in, are you seeing any particular trends around that? Because I guess on the one hand, there's a more general cynicism about businesses getting involved in politics, which frankly, I think is a fallacy because businesses have always been involved in politics. They've just done it secretly and kind of in um, corridors of, of power rather than kind of publicly and visibly. Are you seeing any particular trends? How would you categorize the sort of type of backlash that you're getting? If something comes out, and because we're an American brand and we're so well known in America, I guess you could almost say that Ben & Jerry's is part of popular culture in, in America. When we come out on anything, the trends that I'm seeing are, and if we see, as I mentioned before, clickbait going on, then when we start to look at who's making these comments, what are the types of comments that they're making, they all seem to be coming from the right. In France, for example, on our social media, we have seen this clickbait for the first time. We are starting to see it more in other countries as well. But at the same time, we're starting to see a rise in right-wing governments, in populist narratives sweeping across Europe. How many right-wing governments do we have now? Look at what happened in Sweden since September. And we've just seen here in London a very right, right, right conservative conference and the narratives coming out of that were quite alarming as well. And we're talking to people like Hope Not Hate on their analysis of messages and they're saying that people can't decipher super clearly between the two in some of the studies that they've done. So in terms of the trends, I do think it's the rise of the right, populist narratives and social media is, is where it's all playing out. No, I think that's fascinating. And I think the very nature of the way that social media works and is successful is about serving up kind of increasingly divisive content and kind of normalizing that kind of narrative within communities of people. The interesting thing, though, Becky, that we have seen as well. So in Germany, for example, when people started piling onto us, our fans defended us as well. So it, I don't want it to say, like, it is alarming and we, and we are concerned about it and we're watching it and it's having a huge impact on the refugee movement. But at the same time, I still have hope because there are people out there that you don't need to engage because your fans will do that. You share the values and you have those shared values because people buy into you as a brand for what you stand for. So I guess one of the sort of fundamental rules of purpose-driven business is that you 
back up any big calls or your activism in the outside world with bold decisions within your own businesses as well. So I guess what are some of the things that you're so most proud of in that case? We're doing a lot of work in the lead up to World Refugee Day and obviously looking at being part of the movement, what can we say, what commitments can we talk about? We're also bringing that into our business. So if I start in our supply chain, we are looking at ways both in Europe and America and around the world where we source our fabulous ingredients from, how can we provide job opportunities for refugees? I know there's much bigger issues around safe routes for refugees and things like that. But when you have refugees in your communities, giving them independence, sustainable livelihoods is super, super important. So I'm really proud of the fact that that we are trying to do that. Then here in Europe, we have since 2017 worked with this amazing organisation called TURN, who are the Entrepreneurial Refugee Network. And this started in 2017 where we co-founded the UP Collective. So it's an international livelihood program for early stage and forcibly displaced entrepreneurs. It combines a 12-week intensive course to support entrepreneurs' idea of development with part-time employment. And our vision there is that newcomers can achieve independence no matter where they've come from. That all sounds really interesting. Can you bring to life some of the stories of the people that TURN works with? Absolutely. So two stories for you. The first one is Usman, who is one of our first graduates of Up Collective. He has started his business Haven Coffee, and he trains and employs people with refugee experience as baristas. And he also has a comedy club, La Fuccino, where refugee comedians take to the stage. Now we have Mariam Tahir, and she was a graduate um, in 2021, so our most recent cohort. She has refugee experience and also three children and struggled to access good childcare while she was studying for her degree. And that experience helped her realise how hard it is to find affordable childcare in London. I think something many, 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 many people in London can um, understand. And as a par- parent with no recourse to public funds and on a low income, um, you'd struggle even more. And that was something else that Mariam um, realised. So she founded Coffee with Kids, a community coffee shop set up to help and support parents in need of affordable childcare. For me, it's not just enough to say, right, I'm, I'm hiring refugees and here we go, we'll, we'll find them the most low-skilled, low-paid jobs that, that we have <laughs> that need filling in, in the business. Through our term partnership, through the Social Entrepreneur Partnership, we brought people with refugee experience together with our ice cream gurus and our flavour gurus together with the co-op. And we have created an ice cream, which you can get now, called Sunny Honey Home. And I'm super proud of that because we're showing you can bring people with refugee experience into the heart of your business, into highly skilled areas to make a, a point, make a stand on why refugees are amazing, why we should include refugees, and just highlighting the amazing flavours from their homes and the amazing experience and skills that they offer as well. And I guess really helping to shift that narrative and really helping to create that positive narrative. You're doing some brilliant work with not-for-profit organisations and other kind of advocacy groups, but we know that any kind of systemic shift needs both leaders and also fast followers. So 
How successful have you been at getting other organizations, particularly other businesses, to join you on this journey, especially when it comes to rights of refugees and asylum seekers? This is really tough one, particularly in the climate that we're in on refugees. Two examples. So in the Netherlands, we had someone with refugee experience who was part of our social entrepreneurship work and our delivery partner couldn't get them a job because of all the barriers. There's been a campaign which we've done with partners and within the movement on working rights for for refugees. This is up for debate on the 5th of June in the parliament in the Netherlands. A lot of our country teams through their networking and through just talking about the fact we stand for refugee rights, we hear from other companies who are interested in what we're doing, would like to know more and looking for different ways for them to to enter. Now that we have this petition, it's a really tangible piece and it's directly linked to work. So we've had more companies say to us, oh, we'd be up for that. We'd be up for signing that because they can see that clear link to the business need. And I guess that helps them on the journey because they're not saying to the prime minister, your refugee policies are horrible and cruel. You can't do them because a lot of people would question the link to their business. But when it comes to working rights, then they they can draw that link. And then here in the UK, through this entrepreneurship program and where we do look for matched funders and we're looking for other businesses to help us with those placements because not every entrepreneur wants to have a placement in our business. They have different ideas, different skill sets. So we're looking for other businesses to offer those mentorships or placements. And I'm personally (laughs) trying to advocate as much as I can, leading by doing, saying we need more businesses to take a stand, join us, let's do it together. So it's not each of us doing it individually. Or if you're more comfortable with the kind of working connection, then we we can start there. So I guess getting really practical about what you'd like to see from other businesses when it comes to advancing the rights of refugees and asylum seekers. What's the thing that would really make a difference? And I'm thinking it's great that other businesses are prepared to sign a petition and kind of lend their support. And that's really important. Beyond that, what are the things that you're really advocating for for businesses to do differently? Becky, I have a long list. There's not (laughs) not just one thing. On this. And again, I guess it depends on your business and what you feel you can do. The biggest thing that I would ask a business to do, and the most important, and it does require a lot of courage, but at the moment it's just so critical. We need more voices calling out governments and these cruel, inhumane policies. There is no way for anyone to reach the UK safely if they are fleeing persecution their lives are at risk and they're being demonised and we are seeing this across Europe. I'm not seeing enough businesses standing up to governments on this. It is absolutely inhumane what governments are doing at the moment. So if I was to ask a business to do anything, it would be that. And whether you do that publicly, whether we do that as a group and publicly, or whether you do that in your bylats with government departments, you add it to your list of topics that you're discussing with the government. I I don't care, but we need governments to really understand that business is not happy with these policies. If we think back to the last 12 or 18 months, business, UK business, UK society 
really welcomed refugees from the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Have we missed an opportunity to use that positive sentiment to create a broader conversation about refugees and asylum seekers? I fear we have missed that opportunity because the political agenda has moved on and the media agenda has has moved on. We are seeing these increasingly hostile policies, deliberately inhumane policies, taking the priority of the political agenda and also taking the media agenda as well. But I feel that's where organisations like Ben & Jerry's, where the movement is working so hard, is to create those positive narratives and the progressive narratives to counter what we're hearing from our political leaders, from the government and from the media. We can come back and say, There were systems, there were processes that worked last year for a huge population of people seeking asylum and and refugees. Why can't we apply that to everyone? But I think it's so important that we don't fall into the traps that the government, that the right wing, that the media are trying to cover us in, in that we all come back to, but this should be about everyone. We will not single out the country where you come from the mode of transport that you come from. This is about seeking safety. This is about fleeing conflict or persecution. And this is about keeping to our commitments and our values as people and communities and countries that we will find a way. Let's get into, I guess, the job of doing activism within a business. So what, in your opinion, are the sort of skills and capabilities that you need to be able to do this job really well? <laughs> Resilience, persistence. <laughs> you have to be so persistent. I get creative. And that's not that I can draw anything because I can't, but you have to get creative in terms of how am I going to do this? How am I going to find the people to help me do what I need to? How am I going to get the resource until we we reach the impact that, that we're after? Communication skills are important and becoming increasingly so because you need to get your message across. You need to simplify it. And you also need to be very aware of the damaging narratives that are out there right now. Even based on the conversation that we've been having today, this kind of work must really take its toll on you personally. So how do you look after your own mental health and well-being in the work that you're doing? And how do you help to help your team to do the same? It's a huge issue for anyone involved in the refugee movement at the moment. I think everyone is burnt out. It's hard to stay optimistic at times because you just feel like the whole world is against you and how can we have any impact or change? So I think, well, first of all, at Ben & Jerry's, we eat a lot of ice cream. We try to have fun. I think it's really important that you give yourself permission to step back. It's okay to take a break. And I've seen this in the women's movement. I've seen it in the climate movement as well. You are not doing anyone any service by being always on and just stretching yourself too far. Step back. Let someone else take it for a while. Get into nature. Do whatever helps you recharge. But you don't need to be on the whole time and you shouldn't be on the whole time. And then look after each other. So I try to create safe spaces, especially for the team and also for the wider business. How do we have a safe space? 
the refugee movement at the moment, it feels to me like the women's movement did, where everyone was so petrified of saying the wrong thing, they didn't say it. Or you just are constantly double checking yourself because you're so scared of getting something wrong. And I know I've spoken a lot about how important language is and how important the narrative is, because you don't learn if you don't explore. And so I guess in the context of all of that, what gives you the hope and positivity to keep going when things get really tough? When you have those days, and I remember we were in Berlin talking to an amazing partner called Sea-Watch, and they were telling us what's happening on the Mediterranean. And it really hit me that we are letting people just drown. And, and there's all of Europe, all the laws, all the policies, even changing boat laws so that boats cannot pick up people, boats cannot respond to distress signals, states are ignoring, just not responding to distress signals. When you hear that and it's so depressing and you know that this is is lives and it's not getting reported properly and it's so depressing, you have those really low moments and you're just like, oh my God, what, what can we do? And it, it really hits you. For me, it's talking to partners um, and talking to individuals with refugee experience because just the littlest difference, the littlest change or obstacle that they've overcome gives you hope. And people um, that you work with and who share the same mindset and values as you, they'll understand it. You'll find there's just something little you can do to to have, have an impact or do something and you just give each other strength in just acknowledging how shit it can be, but not giving up or just finding a little something you can do. Jessie, it's been such a pleasure having you on Purposing. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Becky. So great to chat. Thanks again to Jessie. Such a powerful conversation with loads of brilliant insights. So if you want to do activism like you really mean it, here are a few things I've taken from the conversation. Get clear about your appetite for activism. Advocacy is something all purpose-driven businesses can and should be doing. But holding governments and other organisations to account is tough. Getting it right is really challenging, and so it's just not for everyone. Be prepared for the backlash, especially from the growing far right. Understand what else is going on in the business that could be compromised. Find solutions to that and line up the entire business behind your cause. It's so much more powerful than leaving it to one team. Create a safe space for your colleagues to ask all the questions they want. Activism is likely to involve complex, sensitive topics. You don't learn if you don't explore, but you also want to make sure that you've built a level of understanding internally before you go public. If you'd like more practical advice on building a purpose-driven business with brilliant insights from people like Jesse, download our Insider's Guide to Purpose at givenagency.com forward slash insider's guide.